Welcome to the Feminine Truth Podcast with Mary Miranda, a place where you can reconnect with your wild, cyclical, and fierce truth. I am Mary Miranda, a mentor, coach, healer, and intuitive. I guide women on a journey of remembrance, reconnection, and embodiment of who they are, their essence, power, and truth by reawakening the power of their feminine energy, womb, and menstrual cycles. Join me each week to indulge in raw, unedited, and unfiltered topics to help women own and step into their divine feminine truth and become unshakable, unapologetic, and bold in who they truly are. Let's jump into today's conversation. Welcome to another episode of the Feminine Truth Podcast with your host, Mary Miranda. I have today a beautiful woman. Her name is Ashley. Hi, Ashley. How are you? Oh, I'm so good. How are you? Good. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having me. It's such an honor. (laughs) So what I have been doing is that I want my guests to introduce themselves. I feel more powerful when you do it with your own voice, with your your energy. And like my listeners, our listeners get to hear from you. So tell us who are you and a little bit of your story. Yeah. Oh, so cool. Um, also so smart of you because sound frequency, right. is healing for people. So opening throat chakras around the world. How beautiful. (laughs) Um, but I like to tell people that I make broken hearts feel new again as a certified master coach and a heart healer. And part of my story is I was stuck in like a super toxic job and then came across coaching. I didn't even know it existed. And so I dove head first into it and then got certifications and then had a whole spiritual awakening journey. And now I'm in totally in my purpose of helping people heal their hearts so that, you know, they chase after their dreams and they live a wildly fulfilling life. Oh my God. That is such a heavy word. You help heal hearts. Mm-hmm. Like a heart, what what was the thing? Like a spirit repair of broken hearts. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm like, where was she when I needed her? When I needed yeah. someone to heal my heart and to help me, like when I was in my late twenties. <laughs> Preach. Oh but, my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> And like, as a, what does that mean? "Mm, Yeah. So I tell people basically like I'm a spirited repair of broken hearts and a seeker of lost souls. And it's because I freaking love walking in the shadows with people because I've suffered like a lot of trauma, a lot of heartache, a lot of wounding as a lot of us women have, right. What a gift. Right. But I, I love walking with people through that because it's like in the shadows is where the light is and it's where the love is. And so you know, it can be hard for people to navigate that. But if you had someone on your side, who's like, you got this, we got this, let's do this. So I just love walking with people through that. And I also totally feel you like when you've had your heart shattered by, okay. So what happened in your life that led you to want to help women heal their broken hearts? Yeah. So I, as many of my clients come to me, they've struggled with like infidelity and and being cheated on and suffering abuse. And I want part of my catalyst for the spiritual awakening I walked through is I had a partner at the time who had been cheating on me. And I intuitively knew like I was getting dreams and I was seeing signs everywhere. And I, I am clear sentience, clairvoyant and clear audience. So they were just telling me, but I was like, no, I'm refusing to hear this. And then I was actually like, spot on. And so that taught me to totally trust the channel and what's coming through no matter what. And I know people can resonate with that. How many times have we not listened to our gut? We're like, okay, well, I was right. Dang it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I feel like I've been, I've had um, infidelity multiple times. And for me, it did became infidelity trauma. Like it was very traumatic for me to heal from that. It was very painful. Mm-hmm. And when I started doing the healing work, it rooted back to my childhood. It rooted back to my childhood. And this was the first man that had ever cheated on me in my adult life. And when I was like, why does this hurt so much? Like, why can I get over this? Mm-hmm. And it rooted back to an incident in my childhood with my cousin mm-hmm. who stole three of my little boyfriends, like three of them, not only one, three of them. <laughs> So it was double betrayal in a way from the man and from my cousin, my first cousin, who was like my sister, we share the same name. Oh, my God. And that name, which I don't know, a sideway. Um, my name is Mary Carmen. My grandma's name is Mary Carmen. 
And my cousin's name is Mary Carmen. And there's a lot of infidelity in that name, a lot Mm -hmm. of drama within my name that I hated my name for the longest time. And I couldn't remember, like understand why until I started doing this. I was like, it's attached to infidelity. Like it is such a heavy thing. And I remember I used to like wake up like, just like from nightmares and I became hyper vigilant. Like I'm sensitive, I'm highly sensitive, I'm very empathic, but I became hyper vigilant that everything I would like sense energy. And it would, it was like from the trauma, it's like a trauma response because, and I become, became like very jumpy too. Mm-hmm. Same. Everything. And then I'm like, oh my God, is that my intuition or am I, is my nervous system being highly activated? Like, I didn't even know what was what it was fear, intuition. It was like, my God, what was it? Like, I, I felt like I was going crazy. Mm-hmm. Until I started healing and I started like, okay, my nervous system is activated, but no, I, I have to trust my God. No, I'm not making it up. I was gaslighting my own self. No, that's not true. I didn't see that. I didn't read well. I know he gaslighted me, but I was gaslighting my own self. And it was like this, like, oh my God, <laughs> I felt like I was going crazy. And it's just been such a heavy, heavy healing of the betrayal, trauma and infidelity because it was all in my body. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, oh man, <laughs> so oh. Still, I guess still get like the trust issues and seeing things like that. But it's like, okay, why am I not trusting myself? What's going on? Mm-hmm. But oh my God, did you ever experience anything like that? I, um, I've suffered a lot of trauma. And so I also am very jumpy to the point where it's just like, if I see a shadow, I like freak out because to your point of the nervous system. Right. So I had that. And then also my mom, had gotten divorced and then she remarried a man who was an actual narcissist and he cheated on her the entire time they were together. And I watched her take him back time and time again, because he was so eloquent with what he shared and he just knew exactly what to say and to push people away. So I learned that, you know, Oh, we take people back or maybe this is, you know, just part of a relationship. And now it's just like, to your point also hyper vigilant is like oh, are you cheating on me what what is that what is that behavior and then you spin stories and you make things out of nothing <laughs> it's like well cuz you're focused on a certain thing right even the way they text an okay if it's okay <laughs> ooh if it's an okay ooh <laughs> <laughs> tell me more i need exclamation points can i have an emoji like There's please it, god <laughs> it's capital letters oh my god he's angry why is he angry oh mm-hmm. like anyone it, and it's just that and it's like constantly like reminder no it's okay like stop assuming things stop yeah. being so hyper vigilant but it's like and, and one of my exes made a comment that i could have been an fbi agent i could have been so good but i'm like i became this way i was not this way like i and it come i feel like it attaches to the stereotype of women are crazy women mm-hmm. are kids women are psychos after a relationship but it's like no what happened in that toxic environment made our nervous system super activated and our attachment style. If you're an anxious attachment style, just mm-hmm. imagine it's like a recipe for disaster and you do become hyper vigilant. But I think it's just part of being in survival mode, mode, mm-hmm. your way of feeling safe. It's like, if you know, as long as I know everything, like I know what's going to happen. Like everything is predictable. Every, I, I, I'm going to know, I'm going to like, watch my heart from being broken you know it's like that it's like always trying to be safe and then we just develop this hyper vigilant to stay safe and it's just an illusion because we're not even safe. yeah no not not one day are we safe no and also to your point it's totally a fear response right so it triggers it and you're like i can control this if i can control this then i can't get hurt and it's like well actually part of the human experience is to feel pain and to walk those things. Right. And I believe we have contracts with people who help us learn these things as the spirit. So it's like, well, I see. And now because I feel through so much with the infidelity and all that, it's like, I'm so grateful that I walked through that. So now I know what I will never put up with again, like the type of behavior, the type of characteristics, you know, um, if I ever have a question now and it's in my mind, I'm so here for open, honest and raw, vulnerable, deep conversation. That's like literally going through this because of my past trauma. So can you walk with me through this, even though it may not be true? (laughs) And I was going to ask you something. Why do you feel people cheat or why are they unfaithful? 
Oh my God. I love that question. So I believe, and I would love to throw it back at you too. I think it's part of our worthiness and patterns that we may have seen from childhood. So if you've had a parent who had infidelity, right. You could either be the person who takes on that characteristic because that's how you keep yourself safe or that's how you get love. Or you could be the person who had, who has to walk through the infidelity. Right. So it's just like an area for healing, but I feel like it's worthiness at least from what people I've seen, it's like, why, why did you do that? Why did you choose? Well, I was insecure. I was unhappy. My needs weren't met. Well, why weren't they met? I didn't know how to ask for them or I didn't know what I wanted. So I think it's an opportunity for people to go deeper, but as you probably have seen, like people aren't really doing that. It's much easier to be like, I'm going to walk away and do something super damaging and harmful. So like, what do you think? So I have, I've been asked this question <laughs> quite a few times. And for me, now that I know I've been through the infidelity trauma, I walked myself through it. And I, I'm not going to say I'm 100% healed from it because it, it takes time for that to leave mm-hmm. the body and everything. But I can see the wounding. Yeah. I can see the reason why the person did it. And it was not about me. Mm-hmm. It was about them. It was about their unmet needs. It was, mm-hmm. it was about their fear of intimacy. Mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. if they were to open up to me fully, then they could get hurt. So it's easier to go and find something temporary, like the dopamine, the adrenaline rush, all the cocktail of hormones and satisfy that. It's like kind of instant gratification type of thing. So that is one part. And another part is because sometimes people, it's part of their wounding and stuff that they they oh why was I gonna how can I explain it they're not being appreciated at home this is mm. one of the biggest things they're not being appreciated at home they're not being um for example men want to be respected want to be admired want to be loved you know and sometimes like the relationship gets too toxic that that thing doesn't happen so someone else comes along and fulfills those needs so it's all about unmet needs at mm-hmm. the end and it's so much easier to just go there. And they also don't have the, the capability of confronting the situation with a partner and saying, hey, this is what I'm lacking in the relationship. No, it's easier to go and do the thing and come back and pretend everything is okay. And it's just like, it's like I've gone around this in my head. Why do people cheat? At the end of the day, I don't think it's about me. It's about their own journey. It's about their own healing. It's about their own wounding. But it's more about unmet needs. Mm. A lot about unmet needs. I totally agree with you. And if you think about like, how do we condition little boys? Don't feel your feelings. Oh, don't talk about it if it's hard. And if you're a woman, we're supposed to be caretakers and we're supposed to give give of ourselves so much so to detriment, right? So then what happens is a cocktail of terrible We don't talk. If we do talk, we push the other people away and then we get super short and snippy with communication. And then we go to bed angry or sad. Uh, It's just, I think a lot of it to your point, totally unmet needs. And do people have the capability of sharpening their communication skills in a more loving, open-hearted way? I think that's part of our work, right? Is by leading by example. And we know the pain of what it's like to be cheated on. Like it's terrible. And if you can talk about it and walk through it with other people that makes you in integrity for your work. And there's like another reason why too, because so many women start treating their men as their sons or as a child, instead of like a lover, instead of like a man, Mm -hmm. pick up the socks, do this, do that. And you're still like, like yelling as if you were the mother. And that's what I think like the intimacy just goes away. Like you, you're turned off. You know, so I think that has to do a lot with it. But it's also like, why is the person doing that? Why is a woman doing that? Mm-hmm. You know, why is she so much in this, like, this empowered masculine energy? Why is she so much in that? Why, you know, what's going on in their relationships? Like the dynamic, the communication, the attachment. Like, there's so much that goes into that. But at the end of the day, it is unmet needs and lack of communication, like you mentioned. I totally agree with that. Mm-hmm. So when people come to you to heal their broken hearts, like what is like something that you take them through to help them? 
Yeah. So usually what happens is I have two ways of working with me. One is a heart work session. They're 60 minutes. And then I have a longer package for deeper transformation and healing. But I love having heart work sessions because it's like 60 minutes of one-on-one bring one area of your heart that you feel needs healing. And there's a questionnaire that I ask people so that they have a clear focus. And so I can mentally and like intuitively prepare for what they're going to bring. So they tell me, and then we sit down and it's like, you had mentioned you're struggling with breakup or you're now where you want to be financially or all of these other areas that we work through grief, all trauma wounding. And like, do you still want to talk about that? What's come up for you since? And basically when they walk with me, part of it is I connect to their spirit and I connect to their guides and I connect to mine. So it's like this portal of healing. And then we walk through, why is this coming up for you now? I ask deeper questions through intuition. And then we, that's like, okay, we have clarity on this situation, but where do we want to go? Because most people don't know actually what they deeply, truly desire, or if they do, they don't believe they're worthy of it. A lot of it comes down to worth and believing that you have value and you can have these things. So it's like, if we can walk together, see why we're struggling in this area and then see where we're going, it's basically then up to them to empower themselves to get there, but we always need clarity. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's totally true. And we're only guiding them on the path. You know, but it's up to them to really do the work and stuff like that. So you mentioned something about um, connecting to guides and all of this. Tell me more about your spiritual path. I know you mentioned something. um, You've been on it for 20 years now. Yeah. So uh, I grew up with a mom who is like pagan and Wiccan and spiritual. And then I grew up with a dad who's Catholic. And so together our house was hilarious, but I walked with my mom here in Minnesota. She started the first ever paranormal society where we would go and we would go to people's homes and help spirits cross over because she can see them. So she can see full body apparitions. She can see their face. She can hear them where I can't necessarily see them because I think something had happened in the past life where I wasn't, I don't have that ability yet. Um, although I see them as like lights and, and stuff and shadows and mirages, but I hear them. And so we would go to people's homes to help them, you know, cross them over, find the light or go to heaven. And so it's been 20 years of this journey, but recently, like I think five years ago, I was assaulted on one of my favorite hiking trails and I intuitively heard to take a different route and I didn't listen. So I was assaulted and that was my my catalyst for it's like, I will never not question anything that ever comes up again. I will always speak my truth, even if it makes people uncomfortable. I will always be seen for my spiritual gifts because I get to light the way for other people. So it's been a journey, but yeah, back then we just helped spirits because she could see them. <laughs> and what was like that, like with your dad being Catholic, did he ever like, questioned it did he ever not allow it or was there a conflict because you said it was like interesting and fun but like (laughs) I'm like oh I'm like usually Catholics are really against all of that (laughs) totally he we hit it for a while um, but it came to a point where it's like how do we talk about this spiritual aspect of us as we are right spiritual beings having human experience to people who are very like I don't want to say closed-minded, but very hyper-focused on what religion should be. So what we tell people now is while she was Wiccan and he's Catholic, we're spiritual and it's like spokes on a wheel. So whatever religion you have practice or preach, they all go back home. And that was the way that that's how I tell partners, right? Like this may feel weird to you if you're whatever, but this is my truth. And if everything is from a place of love, that's what the religion actually preaches all of them. If it's love, then it's like we're all speaking the same language. Wow, that's amazing. I grew up Catholic. Yes. And this is like, you know, I have my oracle cards. Um, clearly sentence. I don't really have not clairvoyant at all or anything, or clear like I don't hear anything either, but I feel things and I know things. And so there was an incident um last year when um my dad was driving the car and my mom like they were in the front and I was in the back and we had this pot of like this hot Mexican beverage in the trunk of my car and we were at this little little town in the middle of nowhere and there was a lot of uh it was not a paved path at all and I I said to myself oh it's gonna spill (gasps) really like a few minutes after 
the whole thing spilled to the day my car smells like uh, rotten milk. No. Yeah, it's really, really hard to get it off the smell. Like my dad tried, but it was in Mexico. So I, I haven't taken it to get washed, like superpower wash inside. But it started smelling because it's a summer, it's hot. But it was just that incident. I was like, oh my God, did I cause this? Did I make this happen? It was just like, I got freaked out because I'm like, how did I know that was going to happen? Like, what is going on? And I'm like, and I'm in motherland. Mexico it's Catholic like why is this happening like this is so scary and somebody told me because I was like I have this feeling that I'm psychic that I can see things but it's not opening and I was getting so frustrated and they're like well you're in Mexico it's not gonna open up Hmm. and I'm like oh (laughs) and then my parents are super Catholic so it's always like this even right now like my journey that I am very like spiritual I don't do witchcraft or anything like that like people think but most people say that I do witchcraft which not at all I smear blood on my in my face and I Mm. do my rituals and stuff like that but a lot of people are not okay with it especially my family members my loved ones they're not okay with it my mom thinks it's from the devil it's wicked Mm. I'm doing things that I'm not supposed to be doing I'm like what i'm like it is sacred it is something that is so normal like why are people being so like against it but it's also like accepting that they're not going to ever accept what i'm doing and i have to be okay with that did you ever experience like backslash or people not supporting you um, awakening Mm -hmm. your gifts and doing this path Mm -hmm. i think also just for you to know that like you're a way shower in your family and you're here to show a different way. I think that is so beautiful and like, wow, how hard, <laughs> especially for Catholicism. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah. Um, I think because, I, because I've been in the spiritual space for 20 years, it wasn't necessarily that I've experienced backlash or that people have called me wicked or a sinner or whatever. They may think it, which is fine because all judgment is self-judgment. So they can walk with that. But the, the hardest part for me was I started my business copywriting for small businesses. And I was like, this is not in alignment. I am not excited or joyful or like fully expressed. So the hardest part for me was actually being visible and being seen for my channeling abilities. So I started playing with it through learning how to open and read the Akashic records for myself and for others to see about past lives, to see about what channeling actually is. And I wanted to reflect one thing to you. You say like, I'm not clairvoyant. I don't see anything or or clairaudient, but actually you probably are like, you're probably so gifted. You just don't know what it looks, feels, and sounds like. And so for like clear audience, it's actually one of the hardest gifts because you have to trust it because your voice sounds like you, like your highest self sounds like your voice. And of course you're going to be like, oh, it's just my voice. But it's like, no, actually that's spirit coming through. And if you think about it, if you are hearing other voices, which now I can, I hear different tones and, and men's voices and all that in my head. But in the beginning, you'd be like, oh my God, what's wrong with me? Like, oh, I'm going to have to be in a psychiatric ward. Like, okay, cool. So it's just like, you may think that, but actually it's, you're just blooming. And when you trust it, that's what I had to do. I had to trust it. And then being seen for it is a whole nother level because what have we heard about with women, witches? they were burned at the stake, right? People are murdered for their gifts. So I think it's so cool that you do this work and that you lead by example because it's not easy and we don't want to be rejected or, you know, on a biological level, be outcasted because then our needs are met and we're like, okay. So it's just like, I think the hardest part for me was trusting that I'm being called to this path for a reason. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's what sticks to me. Like I have to trust that I'm on the right path and it's okay. People don't agree with me and and for me, it was like, I'm gonna, it's going to be really hard finding a partner that's very supportive of me because, yeah, who, you know, people think it's crazy that I smear blood on my face or my body. But for me, it's like, hey, I almost got a hysterectomy. I could have lost my period. So this is for me, this is very special. And if you don't understand it, it's okay. You don't have to. I'm not asking you to smear it on you, <laughs> you know, but I also have to be very understanding and very, very accepting that they're not going to be on the same page as me. Mm-hmm. Maybe they're not awakened as me. Maybe they're not as open as me. But yeah, it's been a journey. And I do know that I am leading the path for the new female lineage in my family. Because all the women in my family, with all the respect to everyone, I'm like, oh, my God. Yeah. Um, 
it's always that, oh my God, are they going to hunt me? Are they going to do something to me? <laughs> you know, it's always that fear that if you speak evil of people, you're going to get punished. It's, it's still that religious trauma in my body. Um, it's that all the women in my family were submissive, where, you know, people please their self-sacrificing. They didn't love themselves. They didn't, they, if they did love themselves, they didn't show it, but it was all like doing, you know, cooking, cleaning. That was their lifestyle, mm -hmm. raising children. I, my grandma had like 12 children, like my, my <gasps> grandma, which is the one I identify the more, the most with. She had like 12 children and my mom quit school when she was, she didn't even, I think she finished sixth grade. I can't remember mm -hmm. honestly to help her raise the rest of her siblings and to help at the house. Mm -hmm. So it's like, okay, like now I'm doing this different type of work. My sister, she became a professional counselor. She's doing something completely different. And here I am being <laughs> weird and being a rebel and going against the grain, going against what every, every female in my lineage did and I'm divorcing so I didn't even like being a wife mm. I feel like it's because uh it was not the right person for me more than anything and it was just like I I didn't like it <laughs> I yeah. didn't like that I mean I think you had to do a lot with the dynamic I had with the, my ex my ex-partner but it was more like I didn't like it I didn't enjoy it I'm like I don't want to be cooking I don't want to be cleaning mm. I don't want to be that but then someone told me no because he's not the right man when you oh. the right man, you are going to enjoy doing all those things. You are going to enjoy even cleaning. I'm like, I am never going to enjoy cleaning. I'm going to get someone to help me. And I'm like, okay, maybe that's true. Maybe when I find the right person, I am going to enjoy all of those things that I used to hate. But somehow I am paving a different path for the women in my, in my family. And the way I see it, I don't know if you agree with this, is like we're the future ancestors of our mm -hmm. lineages that are coming my niece mm -hmm. my and you know and we're probably our ancestors prayers i don't know i yeah. hope i am what is this girl doing <laughs> but i do feel it and i and i'm like no it's my responsibility to do this work because the generations that come even if i don't have children my nieces or anyone they're gonna be like oh my auntie or this person did this wow <laughs> it's mm -hmm. different it's a different type of um being a woman I feel it it's mm -hmm. so different and even when I was in Mexico my mom said to me why are you not you're not domestic <gasps> she said that to me and that stuck with me so much because I'm like nope I'm like I hate cleaning I hate cooking and the reason why I did I found this because last year I was in Mexico. So I healed, mm -hmm. I was not living with my parents during COVID. I ended up being stuck there. So I was immersed in shadow and doing a lot of inner child healing and a lot of Catholic trauma healing. Mm -hmm. And it was more like, I realized that when my parents were mad, they would clean and cook. Yeah. <gasps> and I, that was so like, I'm like, every time I would hear them clean, I would like get, I would get nervous and anxiety because I'm like, they're mad. I did something wrong. I did something wrong. And oh my God, I would cry so many times out of fear because I thought my dad was going to be mad at me. And I still have that thing that I feel like I'm doing something wrong and people are going to be mad at me. And it's like, oh my God, I'm like my inner child. So it's more healing. And it's like, die, die, die. Mm -hmm. so I don't know. Did you ever have any experiences like that? That is so profound your awareness yeah. I, I mean seriously for you to feel that in your body and have the understanding like why that triggers you I think triggers are our greatest treasure on the planet because if you're willing to go deep into the shadow it's like oh my god okay and like so you experience that with cleaning and cooking for me it's when men raise their voices because my dad was like like, and that's when I knew I was in trouble. And so if I still hear it, I like shrink just because it's nervous system stuff, right? It's like, oh my God, something bad's going to happen. And it's the trigger though. So it's so cool that you actually, and also for COVID, you were stuck there. Like you had to do the work. Thanks yeah, God. No, no. And I was like, oh my God. I, and I avoided it for so long. I avoided being around my parents for too long because I would be so triggered. Mm -hmm. And I just couldn't deal with it. Now I'm like able to be around my parents. And it's not like they were doing anything bad to me. They were not. It was all this trauma in my body. It was all these memories. And it was not even them because they changed so much. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. So it was like, no, this is my healing to do. I cannot make them responsible for anything anymore because now I have the awareness. I cannot be blaming, but I would ask a lot of questions so I can understand more because the one I made so many things mean something that was not even it. When I was little, you know, I made, I made it mean something. And my mom's like, well, that didn't happen like that. I'm like, so I've been traumatized for like 37 years, like seriously, (laughs) for nothing. Mm -hmm. I made it up, you know, so it was like getting a lot of clarity. And it it was also a lot of understanding the how I didn't know this. My dad was not present in my birth. I had no idea. Mm -hmm. I had no idea. I don't know why that never occurred to me. And it was just like this, um, how my mom felt rejected and felt abandoned by my grandma from my dad's from my dad's side. Mm-hmm. And it was like, I, I'm like, that's how no wonder why I have felt that so strong, always rejected, always like abandoned, mm-hmm. not belonging. And it was just like, Oh, my God. So like, I went deep into healing, womb healing, my birth story healing, like everything. I'm like, Okay, I guess like, I'm here for a reason. So let's do everything. It was very intense. It was very intense that I pulled the curtains back and I just kind of stopped coaching, stopped my business because it was just too much, mm-hmm. too much. And then the separation and everything. And I was like, okay, I'm like, I guess this is my year of healing. And it's been, it's been pretty, 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 pretty intense. But I guess like it's when you need it the most, the healing and stuff like that. Well, and I think like there's two points from zero to seven, you're basically like a walking sponge, right? You're a subconscious mind. So you're making meaning out of everything. Cause otherwise, how are you going to learn and survive? And then the second thing is like, it was super intense for you, but it's because you could walk with it. Like you had the wherewithal and the ability to dive deep. And it's like, because you did that, what's, what is the future of your life going to look like? Like even how you said my ancestors, what am I healing for them? What am I healing for future generations? Because I elected to walk through this. Yeah. 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 And I guess like, I don't know, cause I know you deal with a lot of uh, trauma too, with your clients and stuff like that. So when they come to you, do you ever have to deal with ancestral trauma or past life trauma or anything like that? That you see patterns in relationships or their Mm -hmm. love lives. Mm -hmm. Oh my God. I see patterns with love lives for parental things that they've seen like all the time. It'll be like, okay, why do you believe that you can't have a love like this? Why are you settling? Why is this coming up for you? Oh, okay. Well, if I take you back to your childhood, what was your parents' relationship like or lack thereof? How was their intimacy, their communication? How did they handle conflict? And I, it's like, oh, this, Oh, because we saw this, this is how we believe a loving relationship is supposed to be, even though it's toxic and not healthy. And then also I have um, a super intuitive, right? So I can hear about if it's a past life thing or healing. And then also I have a technique that works on the subconscious level. It's called time techniques. And it's basically, it walks you from like past life, ancestral, generational, womb to like seven. So whatever their subconscious mind brings up, that's where we go to the root to go get that cause of like, why do we believe we're not worthy, not whole, we can't have these things. Why do we have anger, sadness, like the first root cause of where we pick up those emotions. And um, it's super powerful because all you do is you walk back and it's a subconscious reframe. So it's like, oh, this happened for me because blah, blah, blah. And when you do that and you see that for what it is, and they're the empowered person who understands and, and gets the wisdom and the lesson, it heals everything moving forward because you don't have to walk with that anymore. Yeah. And right now you said something that like anger, so many women were angry. Yeah. We're mm-hmm. angry. We repress it, express it, however you want to call it, but we're angry. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it, I feel like, especially in relationships is our, how our inner fire gets like squashed, <laughs> squashed. And we're not able to speak our voice. We're not able to ask for our needs to we're afraid to even bring up something that's bothering us because we don't want to blow up into a big conflict. Um, and we don't, we're not feisting when we need to be feisty. We're just like this good girls. We're just trying to do everything right to keep the love and everything. And I feel like, cause I'm saying it for me because <laughs> that's what happened to me. I had so much anger and I didn't know. And I do believe that a lot of my womb health issues and stuff like that is because of all the anger, all the suppressed emotions that I didn't process at all in the trauma in my womb. 
but a lot of it was anger. So last year too, it was a lot of anger. I was so angry at my parents. I was so angry at my grandparents for things they did to my parents that had nothing mm. to do with me. And I'm like, oh my God. So I did a ritual where I returned back to them, their anger, their emotions, the situation. I'm like, this does not belong to me. I return it back to you. It was like this very, it was a ritual with my feminine lineage and then with mm. my masculine lineage and everything. And it was, I was just crying when it came to my, my masculine lineage more than anything I'm like I didn't even know I was so angry at my grandpa like what on earth is going on and it's like this it gets stored and then we suppress our power we suppress our inner fire that we're supposed to be using to create the life that we want or to attract the love that we want and it's just like I don't know how you how if you help people deal with anger but for me mm -hmm. it's one of the most empowering tools mm -hmm. for my coaching and for myself more than anything Cause I'm like, oh my God, if women knew what yeah. happened, when they release their anger, then you transmute all that fire into potentiality, into doing something for you and for your life and create and birthing things that you're supposed to. So mm -hmm. yeah. Oh, I love that. And it's like, I believe our, as a human, it's literally just a continuous process of death and rebirth, death and rebirth. What are the wisdoms, the gems, the knowledge? How can I do better, be better so that I can lead by example and help change the world through my specific energetic frequency. Right. And like anger is such a beautiful emotion that we're taught to suppress. And it's like, but there's so much wisdom in the anger, especially if you dig deeper. And like you said, we have this fire and if we can't speak our truth or ask for what we want and need, and then we just become like a shell of a person. And what do we see with people who suppress their emotions disease later in life why did that happen oh well because they didn't know how to handle it or process it and it's such a oh it's such a good gift so like honestly thank you for your work in the world because it's so powerful and you chose it and like you're walking yourself and leading yourself through it by being both what divine feminine and divine masculine because we're a blend of both yeah it's being I never thought I was going to be on this path doing this work. I was, I started with fitness and nutrition and now I'm here. It's completely different, but I've heard people say you used to inspire us more when you were doing fitness and nutrition. I'm like, yeah, you used to be inspired by the external work, but now I want you to be inspired by the internal work. And if this is not for you, then we're not mm -hmm. aligned. We're not my people. It's fine. And that was mostly family members, <laughs> telling me that. Yeah. but I'm like, it's okay. They're not supposed to agree with me that's fine that that's okay but um yeah the anger has it's such a beautiful beautiful emotion and when it turns into aggression that's when there's an issue that's why so much mm -hmm. stuff happened like last year with black lives matter with the movement all of this and i feel like it's this collective anger that if women just start healing it like a lot of wisdom is going to come from it mm -hmm. oh and like but truly though, it's so powerful and we need it. Like we have those emotions for a reason, because to me, they're like a guidance system. Like how aligned am I? How do I feel? What are my range of emotions? Why am I feeling that? And a lot of the things that I walk through with clients, it's reflective. It's how we heal. So it's like, why am I angry? Because I feel this. Well, where do you feel it in your body? Okay. Why have you felt this before? Like, have you had a first incident, all of that? And it's like, you're, we're all so freaking intuitive. If we would just listen to ourselves and give ourselves the time and space to actually feel it without judgment or a narrative from there, it's like, okay, well, what's the wisdom, the, the lessons, the knowledge. And then how can I know that when I feel this next time, it's probably tied to something and it's a trigger. So I get to go deep, but a lot of people don't do that. Mm -hmm. That is amazing. So I was going to ask you, so you've done all this work on yourself. You have all this beautiful path. How is your love life today? Oh my God, it's new and it's the best. <laughs> and part of it, so I was with a man for almost eight years. We were engaged and I had such commitment issues that I was like, no, I can't. Like I started hyperventilating and was like, can't, sorry. So I walked away from something that I, that was like the only thing I knew. And then I immediately hopped into a new relationship and we basically trauma bonded because I didn't give myself the time or space to heal. And he was the man who ended up cheating on me. And I learned so much from that, but I believe like, Okay. So after that happened, I basically said, I can't be with you anymore. I'm going to be single for two years and I'm going to work on myself. 
And so now it's been the two year mark and I have a new partner. And I like to tell people that while this other partner in the past may have cheated on me, we actually walked each other to worthiness. So I taught him what unconditional love was, what it feels like. And he taught me what my power is and how to stand up and the things I will never put up with again. And so because I'm so worthy, so whole, I continually invest in myself, my growth, my heart, my healing. I called in a partner that's like, it's literally the most profound thing I've ever experienced. And I have worthiness stuff come up because I'm like, why are you so kind and generous and sweet and thoughtful? And why are you treating me so well? Cause I had never seen it in any other relationship around me. I had never like, even with my parents, right. I saw abuse and anger and rage. I never saw the thoughtfulness. So now I'm like at this level of healing and I called in a mirror to me. And I think that's what we do, right? We call in mirrors for places where we get to heal. So how is your love life? <laughs> well, um, divorcing. <laughs> Which so is amazing. In a year. Yes, it's been, and this is not something I have openly talked about, but by the time this comes out, the divorce would have been finalized, hopefully. So I'm very excited about that. It's been, um, it's been quite a journey in relationships. Um, there was a period of time that I was doing dating and relationship coaching because I thought I had manifested the love of my life. Mm-hmm. And it turned out to be that he was a big mirror for my shadow. And that's when I dove more into my shadow, especially last year. And I think I wouldn't, wouldn't have been able to do it without him because he was just so kind, so patient. He accepted all of me, mm-hmm. but somehow we were not the right people for each other. And I wanted to do conscious uncoupling, you know, I'm spiritual, Mm -hmm. I'm like, I'm, you know, awakened, Mm -hmm. I'm all this, you know, and I was like, no, I'm going to do conscious uncoupling because we love each other and we still want the best for each other. It did not, it did not turn out to be like that. So I had to mourn that not Mm -hmm. having the relationship Mm -hmm. transition the way I wanted. I had to mourn that and I have to be okay with doing the divorce the hard way (laughs) and I have Mm -hmm. to be okay with walking that path on my own because my family wasn't really here I didn't really have support and things like that so it's been um it's been a quiet journey out of respect for myself for him not to say anything publicly until Mm -hmm. it's over I'm just probably going to share a little bit about it not too much because you know it's been so long that I don't even feel married anymore yeah (laughs) it's just the legal attachment that there it's there it's just that but um, hopefully it's going to be over soon. And I do wish him the best. I do want the best for him, even if he's not seen, seen mm-hmm. it that way at the moment. Mm-hmm. I don't know anything about him. And I mm-hmm. think for the best. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it's just been kind of like, I feel very grounded. I feel very at peace. Mm-hmm. And there was like um, an intrusion that happened that I went through that my diaries, my journals were read by people on his <gasps> side of the family. And I had to walk myself through that. I had to lead myself through that, through my privacy, being violated, through being threatened that if something happened, it was going to be my fault. And, it, you know, and it was just like this very intense thing. So I had to do a lot of grieving, a lot of healing around that because I do have this wound of public humiliation I do have this wound of being laughed at my reputation being ruined and oh my god like I feel like that's going to be the end of my my life (laughs) you know so I was like oh my god what's going to happen if they I'm like I don't even know what I wrote like I don't even know what I wrote and my whole journey I started healing through journaling Mm -hmm. I started just releasing everything because I had no one to talk to Mm -hmm. and the therapist that I went to ended up like dealing with betrayal with my therapist. So, you know, and for that to be, for my journals to be read like that, for me, it's like, oh my God, like, what if this is going to ruin the rest of my life? What if nobody's going to love me? What if people, like my coaching business is going to be destroyed? Oh my God. So right now it's just more like, okay, let's just have this phase of my life be over. And then we'll go from there. But now I'm more aware of what I desire, what I want, what I need more than anything, my love language, like 
mm-hmm. my unmet needs. And like you said, our relationships, the people we attract, even friendships, anyone, but more romantic relationships, they're your biggest triggers, your biggest mm-hmm. mirrors. You still attract people where you mm-hmm. have wounds. It's like this wound mates in a way. Yeah. But some of them are not toxic. They're just mirroring back things or your shadow things you need to work through. So mm-hmm. hopefully by the time that comes that I do enter into a new partnership, it's going to be, <laughs> it's going to be better. <laughs> it's going to be amazing. Yes. Like, yes. yes, magic. Yes. I, I, I think there was a lot of shame too announcing the divorce because mm-hmm. I'm like, oh my God, people are going to think I'm so like fucked up that mm-hmm. I don't know that I need, I, uh, that I need therapy or that I need something, but I'm like, no, I'm like, it, it's the way it was supposed to be. And it was a lot of lessons learned. It's a lot of like, oh, I found out a lot of things that I want, a lot of things that I don't want, a lot of everything. So yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm, I love it. And I, I think too, like you said, you walked yourself through it and you healed through it and you journaled and that was the thing that you needed and how, potent of a practice is that and I had done a similar thing right so I chose to be single like consciously and I thought through this process of healing because I could never be alone like I I always needed to feel the space I needed to have someone be around me and it's like well what is this why do I feel like I can't be alone and then I declared to the universe and like on socials like I am my own soul's mate and I will never settle again. So as my soul's mate, like, how would I treat myself? How would I love myself? How, like, what are the things that would ignite the fire within me that would make me feel so loved, cherished and whole. And because I chose that, it's like, well, then you are a match for someone who will meet you at that. And if they can't, you see them and you're like, bless and release. Like, I'm sorry, but I, I could go the rest of my life being single because I love and honor myself so much. And if you can't match me at that worthiness, you will find your perfect person, but it's not me. Yes. Yes. I think I used to call it dating yourself, like dating yourself, like becoming your soulmate, the love of your life, like everything. And yeah. And it's like, cause I used to do my list. I want this, 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 this. But when I would look at it, I was like, oh my God, I don't even like, I don't even embody that quality that I'm seeking. Like, how am I going to attract that? So then I went into like this journey. I was single for a long time. I would date to get to know myself more. So I would date. I tried doing the circular dating, but it was really hard for me because I don't like lying. Yeah. (laughs) It's really hard for me, right? So I tried it, but it was just more like, no, no, not vibing. There was times that I ghosted people, you know, I had to learn. And I was like, oh my God, I'm afraid of confrontation. I'm afraid to tell a stranger that I don't want to go on a second date with him. There was a lot of evolution and growth and dating, Mm -hmm. but I used dating to get to know myself more. It's like, oh, why is this person triggering me? Oh, why is this person? Why? You know, and it was just like getting to know what I like, what I didn't like. Oh, the qualities. Oh, do I want to date someone that is in my my culture? Do I want to date someone that is not? And it was just like getting to know me more and more and more. And I felt like it was getting closer to finding a soulmate, which Mm -hmm. I thought I did, but it was like, you know, I guess Mm -hmm. it was like the right partner. Because when I started manifesting him, I said, I want to manifest the right partner for me. And he Mm -hmm. was the right partner for me for what I needed, because I needed to dive deeper into my healing. And I was like, okay, maybe next time I'll say, I want to manifest my soulmate and see how things go. But it was like, no, I did say I was vocal. Like when I do my manifestations, because I have a defined throat chakra. So I was speaking my manifestations and I was very specific. And I'm like, I want the right partner for me. The right, Mm -hmm. the most aligned partner for me. And I did find him. And I believe the next person that comes is also going to be the right partner, the most aligned partner for me whether it, it ends up in a good note or not, hoping it does, but I feel like I'm going to attract what I need. Mm-hmm. I am a, I'm a non-specific manifester, so I have to base it on how I feel. And I, like two years ago, I set the intention that I would manifest or call in the highest reflection of my heart. And knowing that every person who comes in then, like, based on your attachment, right? It's like, well, actually you're for my soul's growth and journey. So it's like, if you're my highest reflection of my heart, like I can't even imagine, but I know how it'll feel. (laughs) Yeah. And the way I see it now, it's like, oh, I can't regret it because I attracted in a way who I was, my conscious level, 
my awareness, my wounding level, my trauma level, because I still had a lot of trauma that I didn't even think I had in me, especially with my parents, especially with the Catholic. And he turned out to be so Catholic that he used to like annoy the crap out of me. And I'm like, oh my God, this is my worst nightmare. Because that's my biggest trigger. People that are super religious in a way that they shame you for it. Oh, yeah. They tell you like things like my parents have told me. And I'm just like, no, no, no. And I ended up attracting the very thing I didn't want. <laughs> yeah, oh, the universe is so silly. <laughs> yes. But now like he allowed me to open up more and heal more. Mm-hmm. So I feel like by the next time someone else comes around, it's going to be amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I think I've, I follow Esther Hicks, right. Who channels Abraham Hicks. And I watched this uh, thing that they did on manifestation. It's like the universe doesn't speak in yes and no, I don't, I do want. It's like, it speaks in your energy. It speaks in how you feel the lighter, the frequency, what do you actually desire? And that is even on a subconscious level, right? So we don't focus on the things that we don't want. It's like, where are we going to put our time, energy, and awareness on the things we do desire? So you called that partner in at the most perfect time for your healing. And we're so grateful. But now we know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So I was going to ask you, how can someone start embodying their worthiness or work on on their worthiness? Mm -hmm. So the process that I've led myself through is like, okay, what are the characteristics and qualities that I love about myself? And then what are the areas that I think need more time, attention and uh, focus? So pulling from that. I got clear on my strengths and then where I want to do the healing. So you go deeper. Why do I feel I need this or why am I not embodying it? Okay. Now that I know that, how can I start acting in alignment as the person who is worthy? And then I make actions and think thoughts that are of that person. And I believe like we all have these beautiful, brilliant higher selves that are the full embodiment of our most incredible expression of energy. So it's like, how does that version of me think, feel, believe, act? What would I do or what do I need to do in order to get there? Is it therapy? Is it coaching? Is it a program? Is it a book? What are those things? And then I follow my intuition to that place. What about you? Worthiness. It's something that I do work on a lot because it was so, it's ancestral for me. It's a lot of ancestral for me, but it's like honoring me, taking care of me. Your rituals. Putting me first putting as a priority, my ritual, mm-hmm. it's a lot of like, just deepening the relationship with myself, being more intimate with myself. For me, that helps me feel more worthy and saying it every day, but not just saying it when I say it, like I feel it, I, mm-hmm. I feel it in my body, because I can say it. But it's, it stays in your head, right? Mm-hmm. But like, no, I need to feel it. I need the sensation. Like how, mm-hmm. how, how does worthiness feel in my body? You know, for me, it's like, it's this kind of um, exhilarating feeling. And sometimes it's like floating in water feeling. So like, it depends, but it's just like honoring me. That's been the biggest one. And knowing that I'm deserving, that the servingness wounding was very deep in me. Honestly, the not enoughness, the unworthiness, like so much childhood stuff. And it was everything, everything was because my sister was, you know, she was my everything. It was the popular one, the pretty one, the favorite one, the first child, first of all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> he was always right. He was always a uh, tall. She was everything that I wanted to be. Mm-hmm. Everybody admired her. And I think one of my needs that I wanted to, I wanted to be admired so bad, like yeah. so bad. So a lot of my worthiness came through fitness. Mm-hmm. The way my body looked, my six pack, I felt more worthy for muscular. I started losing the muscle and I didn't feel worthy. And I was like, oh my God, what is this? So last year, COVID, six, seven months, no gym. I, my pain disorder came back and I was like, oh my God, I am really needing to like learn to love me again. Mm-hmm like recreating me it was like I was in motherland it was like when I was 14 and I left Mm -hmm. like kind of coming back and start rebuilding me again and again and again and like who am I without the muscles Mm -hmm. who am I without the six pack I was losing my hair who am I without my hair who am I without the marriage that my parents thought I was Mm -hmm. better 
because I was married, you know? Um, so who am I? I had to become me without nothing. No, no business, no clients, no income coming in. Who am I in nothingness? It was like the worst, but the best healing I've done for myself. And this is something that I'm going to be more open about it. How I had to rebuild myself and how the eating disorder was linked to, to my mom. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like our mothers are our first source of food. Mm-hmm. So my, my eating disorder came from my mom and came from all the trauma and came from everything that she was feeling, like the emotion she was feeling when she was pregnant with me. And it's like me, like, like, just like the purging and everything. It was just kind of like just wanting to release all those toxic emotions that some were not even mine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's kind of like a, re- a rebirth. That's what 2020 was for me. And it's learning to feel worthy in the nothingness without nothing attached to me and it was intense and now I'm like oh my god I feel like did I really go through all of that I'm like holy shit like I totally did and now I feel like that like I'm it's so in awe of you truly (laughs) and I feel like you were in what they call like the dark night of the soul or you know that it, it to me it's like this most magical dark place you could be because like you have to be your own source of light and you have to choose it. And you did. And I also believe like some people would call that a rock bottom, right? When you have nothing and you're just trapped in your mind and not in your heart. I believe like when you hit that, you cat like catapult even further faster because it's like, I see this. Okay. Actually, I'm literally whole and worthy as a soul. Like I came here in this way and now I'm going to light the way for myself and others. It's like, thank you for the way you led yourself. <laughs> yeah. And I feel like And it's like, I have so many things that I can help people with, like women, I only help women. So I can help women through eating disorders. I can help women through the divorce, like chaotic divorces. I can help women through just like someone breaking your privacy. Like, you know, like there's so many things that I have experienced within the past year that I'm like, how could I have, how am I going? How have I, what? Like, it doesn't, I cannot even, there's no words that express it. Right. Because there's so many experiences and I'm like, wow, now I have more wisdom. Mm-hmm. I have more medicine. And what anchored me was the connection I have with my body, with my womb, with my menstrual mm-hmm. cycle, because at some months, my menstrual cycle, I only had two months that it was painful, the worst pain ever. And the last one was when I separated, when he, when I told him to leave, it was that. And it was just like, oh my God, this is my body purging. And it was just like, okay, like my menstrual cycle is my messenger, is my anchor. It's like, okay, when mm-hmm. something's not good in my womb, in my menstrual cycle, I know what's going on. So it's always like, okay, coming back to me, coming back to my womb, to my menstrual cycle, to my body, to my heart, to my truth. Mm-hmm. And that's why this podcast is called A Feminine Truth, because I had to find my truth in motherland where I was born. And this has been a project that's been in my soul for a year. And then last year in, in April, when I was going to launch it, somebody took the name. And I was like, okay, well, I guess it's not meant to be. And I was devastated, but I'm like, okay, this is what happens when you procrastinate, da, da, da. But it wasn't meant to be out because I had to go through so much healing Mm -hmm. that it was going to lead me to where I am today, having this podcast. And the purpose is so clear. I'm so excited about it. (laughs) I'm so honored that you were here having this conversation with me. (laughs) And for me, it's, um, you froze. Are you there? Okay, there we go. And for me, it's so important to know and ask you what is your truth? The real oh. under every all the layers. Oh my God. That question gives me the chills. My first response, intuitive response, is love. So I feel like I came here on the planet to teach other people how to love themselves wholly and unconditionally and deeply and profoundly so that they're so embodied in their love and in their truth that they naturally radiate in a way that changes the people around them. And I know that like I lived my life and had all of these experiences because it taught me how to love myself and to come back home to my truth. So thank you for even asking that question because it's beautiful. Yes. And Another question. Thank you for sharing that. What is one ritual that you do to stay in alignment with your truth and your intuition and your body? 
Mm -hmm. So I have two typically. Um, one, I try to meditate with like a self-edual frequency or just like straight channeling by, through meditation for like 10 minutes a day. I try to give myself that because we are these like infinite beings that can connect to wisdom of source. Like, why would we not do that? But then also one of my non-negotiables is at least once a week I go to the woods or the forest because nature doesn't take energy from us. She gives it. And I always get like the most beautiful things for my business, for my clients, for myself, just being in nature because we're all one. So that's what I do. That's amazing. Okay. And the last question is where can people find you and connect with, with you and find all about the work that you do? Okay. I totally love hanging out on Instagram. It's my jam. Like I, oh, it's my favorite place. I usually hang out on IG stories, uh, but I love when people message me and they're like, I heard you on this podcast or this resonated with me because part of the thing about being a human is we say we don't need external validation, but it's really nice when we're of service for people. And it's like, thank you for reflecting that back to me. And then it's like, ah, oh, I connected with this person who brought me this person. And like, we're all so it's just a circle of magic. So come hang out with me on Instagram. <laughs> I think it's so important to connect and to feel that belonging again, because it used to be part of our ancestral rituals for women, connection, mm -hmm. bonding, women seeing us like, like mm -hmm. sisterhood. And I think we have disconnected from that so much. So yes, connect with her on Instagram, <laughs> Instagram stories. All your links to your social media and all the places are going to be in the show notes. So I want to thank you so much for being part of this podcast, for being part of this conversation. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you. You're the best. Thank you so much for being part of this conversation for Feminine Truth Podcast. This podcast is for you for me, for us, for the Feminine Collective. Thank you so much for spending your time and energy with us. Share on Instagram and Facebook stories what resonated with you. And if you're listening to this and for anyone to get a hold of this podcast at Feminine Truth Podcast, and if you feel called to, leave us a review. Let us know your thoughts. Let, on, let us know how this has felt for you listening to the podcast. And the episodes are going to be every Tuesday. So I cannot wait to see you next time. Sending so much love.